0: Today's episode of the Watson Weekly Podcast is sponsored by Commerce Tools. The world of commerce is fast-paced and constantly changing. Commerce Tools, the global leader in commerce and creator of the powerfully composable mock architecture, enables commerce leaders to turn possibilities into reality. Commerce Tools helps businesses go from underperforming to overachieving and from keeping up to setting the pace, all at a lower total cost. Go to Commercetools.com to learn how to get started. It's June 12, 2023, and this is the Watson Weekly, your essential e-commerce digest. Today on our show, Stripe's new charge card program can help Shopify. Amazon may be considering mobile phone service. Apple Vision Pro thoughts. Bye bye, Baby could get bought. And finally, the Investor Minute, which contains five items this week from the world of venture capital, acquisitions, and IPOs. But first, in our shopping cart full of news, Stripe's new charge card program can help Shopify. Stripe has been one of the most successful payment companies in the world by making it dead simple for developers and small businesses to integrate credit card processing. Back in 2018, Stripe went beyond payment processing, however. The company launched a new and now fast-growing line of business called Stripe Issuing. The issue with Stripe Issuing in the past, however, was that it only worked for pre-funded cards, i.e. a stored value card, not for credit. This changed in the last week with the launch of charge cards by Stripe Issuing. This allows Stripe to bring its ease of payment and financial innovation beyond the pre-funded card market to charge cards. It's not hard to guess that Shopify Balance, a stored value card launched in 2020, is based on Stripe issuing, giving its reference customer status on the Stripe issuing homepage. What could charge cards enable? Potentially a deeper tie between Shopify and not just businesses, but also consumers. Imagine earning shop cash whenever you use Shopify's credit card, obviously unannounced, with greater cashback and discounts on Shopify's stores. Imagine using ShopCash wherever you see Shop Pay, not just in the Shop app. Just to give you some example of other loyalty programs, Chase has 450 shops in its Chase shopping portal. Rakuten has 2,500 retailers in its Rakuten Points program. Shopify has millions of merchants. It's not hard to see how even if this doesn't add significant value to each Shopify merchant on its own, it could add substantial revenue to Shopify in the aggregate. It's coming, folks. And it's not even that hard to predict. Shopify is going to be a credit card issuer. The only thing left to figure out is what's the hook and distribution mechanism to do so? This is another reason Shopify needs Shop App to succeed. It can only pollute its merchant checkout experience so much or at all with Shopify offers. It needs its buyer-facing distribution channel to monetize this. Our second story. Amazon may be considering a mobile phone service. The internets went crazy last week with a report from Bloomberg that Amazon is in talks with wireless carriers to create its own mobile phone service integrated with its Amazon Prime loyalty program. Just the news itself sent shares of telecom stocks lower last week. Here's what the report states so far. Amazon is in talks with Verizon, T-Mobile, and Dish about providing nationwide service for free or virtually free. Of course, an Amazon spokesperson immediately denied this claim because that's what you do when you're working on something new that leaks out. My take on this is as follows. First, it seems like something could happen here because where there's smoke, there's fire. The story makes sense, especially when you consider that Amazon has two huge assets, the greatest customer loyalty program in the world in Amazon Prime and the fact that Amazon is one of the largest electronics retailers on the planet. Consistently, electronics is far and away its most successful category, especially on Prime Days. Second, there is the question of cost. How could Amazon offer this for free? I would think about it like the Kindle, which might come for free with an ad-supported version or paid with fewer ads. Unlike Apple, Amazon is not trying to make money on the phone. To continue on this ads point for a moment, Amazon desperately needs surface area to power its advertising ambitions. Millions of consumers on an Amazon phone could provide that. Third, despite the fact that telecom stocks immediately went down, ultimately Verizon and others just got another big customer. In fact, their stocks should be going up and not down. Of course, the reason stocks went down is that Amazon tends to disintermediate its key suppliers in the long term and do it themselves. Amazon is building Kuiper, their satellite service, but it doesn't have the ability to disrupt terrestrial networks anytime soon due to cost. I don't buy it, and I think the market is reacting strangely. Finally, There is a question of why would Amazon do this? Like Amazon tried before with its ill-fated fire phone, Amazon is trying to build its own distribution platform so that it reduces the risk from Google or Apple cutting them out of future advertising revenue. Amazon needs devices to have a direct and most importantly zero risk distribution channel to consumers. Amazon building on top of Apple platforms always comes with an existential risk. An ad supported cell phone service would be a low risk bet by Amazon with high risk of failure and potentially huge upside potential. Sure, it could end up like another fire phone, but that sounds like a bet worth making at Amazon scale. Our third story, Apple Vision Pro Thoughts. After watching Apple's presentation at its Worldwide Developer Conference, I thought I would write down a few notes and spur some thoughts. I came away excited and more than a little depressed. That said, Apple won before it started with four key decisions. First, the company successfully reframed the narrative from VR and the metaverse to spatial computing. This was phenomenal positioning and on a footing where Apple excels, compute and experience. Two, Apple getting rid of controllers and replacing it with eyes and hand motions was inspired. If anyone remembers the movie Minority Report, we have finally seen it and Apple is working on it controllers as a first-class interface are a dead end and it's obvious. Three, the Vision Pro gives consumers the ability to see through the device. I literally laughed out loud to see that Apple tried to coin a new term, eyesight. Good to see Apple hasn't lost its bluster and more importantly, blinding a user to virtual screen only is another dead end. You want to be able to know if someone wants your attention and Apple made it as simple as entering your field of vision. Four, Rather than going big, Apple is manufacturing a limited batch of 500,000 devices to bootstrap the device. Apple is saying two things with this move. First, Apple is saying that for this device to work, the first version needs to be insanely great for a small number of people, not average for many people. Second, Apple is telling Meta to hold my beer. Apple thinks Meta is attempting to scale its MetaQuest Pro device too quickly before nailing the experience. Here's some more of my positive thoughts on Apple's Vision Pro. You have just seen the future of immersive entertainment, amusement parks, education, and training. The first version could succeed with education, hardcore gamers, military, and remote workforce alone. As a pro device, the use cases will be specialized and likely geared toward hardcore users in a controlled or workplace setting. Of course, Apple was careful to leave open the possibility of consumers using it, but the reality of it seems far off the device is not for us Watsonians yet. The introduction of Disney and the launch was extremely interesting. As soon as I saw the Main Street light parade on a countertop, I knew that both parties were really thinking outside the box here. If you don't think you'll want this, try convincing your four-year-old kids of that once this is a $1,000 device in 10 years. From my point of view, 10 years is the beginning of the broad consumer application timeframe of Apple Vision Pro. As part of the presentation, Apple led the viewer through a lengthy discussion about the great leaps in computing being enabled by changes in input modalities like the mouse, click wheel, multi-touch, and now gestures and eyesight. This was one of the most interesting parts of the presentation for this amateur computing historian. Of course, I did have some concerns with the device. First, is this how humanity is supposed to interact in the future? It's sad and depressing that so much innovation is being put into a place which further tips the playing field between the haves and have-nots and further separates us from each other. The picture of the father using a headset during his daughter's birthday party was literally the saddest part of the whole presentation. Second, I'm more than a little worried about having that much computer strapped to my face. I guess we're not worried about radiation anymore? And our last story... Bye Bye Baby could get bought. It looks like Chapter 11 bankruptcy of Bed Bath & Beyond continues with its Bye Bye Baby division. Wow, that's a lot of bees. BabyList is among the bidders, more bees that want to purchase the digital assets like the customers. If BabyList wins the bid, it's likely that the domain will shut down and just redirect to BabyList instead. Other bidders I've seen mentioned for Bye Bye Baby include Overstock.com, as well as the private equity owner of Kids Clothing Bed, Janie & Jack, Go Global Retailer. This is an expected move as part of the bankruptcy because each of the different assets owned by the parent company Bed, Bath & Beyond have value to different types of buyers, which means that the court must split up the various assets to maximize their values. Hey Watsonians, this is Rick. Want to get my take on a burning question and have me answer in this podcast? you can start a topic on the RMW Commerce community and just ask. The community is full of e-commerce diehards just like you talking about important e-commerce issues. Last week, I wrote an article about Shopify's history with artificial intelligence. Check it out and let me know what you think. You can contribute to the conversation at community.rmwcommerce.com today. Now a word from our sponsor, Commerce Tools. When a multi-billion dollar beauty brand's e-commerce platform near the end of its life, the entire business was at risk, including the ability to serve its customers. By switching to commerce tools and embracing a more flexible mock architecture, the retailer's vision for connecting in-store and personalized shopping experiences became a reality. The brand can now roll out new features within days, securing its position as a modern brand that uses technology to its advantage. If you are being held hostage by your technology platform and your developers have thrown up their hands, Tell them to start a free trial at Commercetools.com today. It's that time, friends, for our Investor Minute. We have five items on the menu today. First, real-time pricing and promotions monitoring solution, Data Assembly, raised a $16 million Series B. The company claims to have a proprietary data collection engine, which is likely reselling and combining online and offline data sets. It's primarily used by large retailers and CPGs looking to monitor competitive pricing data. Second, Amazon service provider Amify raised a $4.2 million Series B. It's not often that an agency raises venture capital, so I thought it was an interesting fundraising to call out. Amify is a full-service Amazon agency that helps with management, advertising, creative, and supply chain services for Amazon brands. Third, Amazon kids' fashion brand, Hopscotch, raised $20 million in a funding round led by Amazon. Amazon investing in fashion brands on foreign markets? It's a little hard to believe, but I suppose that Amazon is always running different kinds of experiments. Fourth, organic and specialty food provider, KEHE Distributors, is set to acquire distributor DPI Specialty Foods. KEHE Distributors acquired DPI Specialty from private equity firm Arbor Investments. Seem like a territory expansion as DPI specialty is mentioned as serving the Western United States. And finally, WellPlace raised a seed round for its procurement marketplace for dentists. WellPlace is spelled W-E-L-L-P-L-A-E-C-E, and the funding is coming from ENIAC Ventures. The goal is to help independent dental practices get supplies more easily. Sounds awfully specific. On the other hand, I guess it's the right time to start a B2B dentist marketplace, right? What time is it, you ask? 2.30. Ugh. That's all for this week. Till next time, Watsonians. Hi, I'm Rick Watson, CEO and founder of RMW Commerce Consulting and host of the Watson Weekly Podcast, your essential e-commerce digest. Our production partner for the series is Citizen Racecar. The show is produced by Jose Baez production manager, Gabriella Montikey. To hear new episodes of the show every Monday morning, subscribe now at rmwcommerce.com slash Watson Weekly and wherever you get your podcasts.